Hello and welcome to In Lockdown With, a podcast where I, playwright Kieran Fitzgerald, chats to emerging, established and experienced artists in the fields of theatre, film, television, dance and drama, from Wales and beyond, to find out more about their careers and to see how they've been coping during the coronavirus pandemic. Expect laughs, gossip, and an insight into the careers of some of Wales's best-known creatives. If you enjoy this podcast, please like and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Thank you. Hello and welcome to this episode of the In Lockdown With podcast with me, Kieran Fitzgerald. Today my guest is Ivan Pritchard. Hi Ivan, how's it going? Hello, how are you? You okay? Yeah, mate, this is a bit strange because I don't think we've ever spoken English to each other before at all. No, oh. no, I don't think so. I think we, every time I've spoken to you, Kieran, it's been, it's been in Welsh. So, yeah, it's uh, it's weird, but I think we'll, we'll, we can get past I it. I think we, we can get past it. So, Ivan is a um, musician, a songwriter, a frontman of the band Gwilym, a theatre maker. How, how has this period of lockdown been for you, Ivan? Um, I, d- I don't think it's been easy, but um, I'd, I'd like to consider myself lucky um, as somebody who hasn't caught the virus. Uh, or my work hasn't been too too affected by. Obviously, it's been affected to an, a large extent with gigs being cancelled and not us not being able to, as a band, get together in the studio and, and record our music, which was something that we hoped to do last summer, mm. um, as well as gig, obviously. Um, but you know, through lockdown, I've I've had the chance to develop other skills that I've always wanted to develop, like music production for example and um you know there's there's always kind of like swings and roundabouts so um like the ups is uh, me being able to develop these new skills and and take them out of lockdown into my job um Mm. the downs being the things that we lost so brilliant opportunities that we had planned and and you know being able to record but that's that's something that we're doing now now that we're easing up and stuff so Mm. i'd say that i found the the, the lockdown hard from a mental perspective um, but I think that we're only going to come out of it stronger so yeah I think you know I'm, I'm fairly lucky with the way that the lockdown went for, for me and my, and my work. And what, what kind of impact did it have on your creativity? Like were you still able to be as creative as you were pre-lockdown? Um, that's a good question. I think pre-lockdown I was in university um, in Guildford um, studying songwriting and when you study songwriting or any other creative aspect I feel like um, you rebel against stuff for example in in university I didn't write many songs I think I've written more songs in lockdown than I did in my whole time in university um, and I think that was just a, a general rebellion towards having to write something instead of doing it out of my own will um, yeah. So on that aspect, I've written a lot in lockdown, um, but the the like like I said, you know, I've got uh, I've had many hours to work on my music production, 
and that that's changed the way I write. I used to pick up a guitar or go to a piano and and just write there yeah. um, in a very analog way, if you will, um, like just raw instruments and, and and voice. But now I, I start templates on Logic and build from that, and then introduce guitars and instruments into that, and it's changed the way I I compose music. Um, which will have a direct effect on Gwilym's music in future and the music that we're writing now. Um, but uh, yeah, I think, you know, it's a weird one. I think it's it's boosted my creativity, if anything. I, I feel the same. I feel like I've written more and created more in lockdown than I did beforehand. I, I want to talk about Gwilym. I'm going to jump in and talk about Gwilym. How, how did Gwilym form, first of all? Gwilym was a a name that I placed upon a song as an artist. So the the, the song was uh, I just wanted to release a song. I don't remember what it was called. I think it was called Alice, A L I S. Why? And I wrote it for my GCSE music or, or first year first year AS level music. And I was like, I've got this song. I, I submitted it to my AS levels. I wanted to release it, so I didn't want to do. I was too scared to do it under Ivan Pritchard, um, and I think it's the most like non-artist name ever, Ivan Pritchard. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> um, so I took my grandfather's name, who at the time, well, I, I he died when I was three, four years old, so I didn't really yeah. know him. But from not really knowing him. A lot of family members consciously said, "Oh, you're just like your grandfather uh, in the way you speak, and the way you perform, and the way you do stuff." So, I wanted, as a as a family memento, I wanted to place his name on the track. I had no idea what Gwilym would become. I didn't know it would be this kind of big, like for what it is, you know. Um, so at the time, it was just a, dis- a decision that I made quickly because I, I didn't want to mm. think about it too much. Um, and then that, that song got picked up by the radio really quickly and I had no idea how um, I think it's just the Welsh thing you just know people and people pick it up and whatever mm. um, and um, so yeah that, that song came out and then from that um, Ivan Davis from the band Tsunami messaged me on um, Facebook I remember when it was it was a lunchtime in school and I got this message and I'm a huge Tsunami fanboy so, like, when I got the message, I was obviously like, ah, oh, shit, this is Ivan. <laughs> like, yeah, oh, he's yeah. asked me to do something, whatever. <laughs> Which is weird now, because we're in the same circles of musicians mm. and, and friends, so that's a weird thing to say. It's like, do you know what I mean? It, it's, it, it, you've, you spend time with people in a professional, professional way now where you used to be big fans of them. Yeah. Um, I'm still a big fan of Tsunami and I still you know, still get goosebumps when I listen to their music because I just remember the impact it had on me as an artist at the time. Listening to a band create music in Welsh that sounded like the music I loved in English was like a huge knock-down-the-wall thing for me and the boys, I think. Not to speak on their behalf, but I'm sure that it did have an impact on them. So he messaged me and he said, would you like to compete in BBC Radio Cymru's Brwydr Bandia Battle of the Bands competition that happens with East Edinburgh and Lithuania every year. Yeah. I just started going to MySB and started to get into Welsh bands. I was definitely doing this. I had a few friends that I'd known um, from playing in 
the local brass band and getting to know people from gigs that I'd spoken about starting a band with before. Yeah. And now I had this opportunity. I had this ticket to do that. So I called upon my best friend at the time, who is still my best friend. Sorry, Rich, if you listen to that and <laughs> you're not my best friend anymore. Chris Grail um, is one of the most creative people I know and I, I met him in gigs and through friends, through mutual friends, became really good friends with him. Uh, we went to a few gigs together, one being a Super Furry Animals gig, and we said at the start of that gig, we're going to start a band and we're going to do that one day. And I call, he was the first person I called up and he was like, do you want to play guitar in a new project I'm starting? It probably didn't sound like that. It was like, oh, I'm going to do this thing. Do you want to play guitar? <laughs> um, and then I had made a friend um, in Lir, which is our drummer, because we played in the brass band together. He was a euphonium player that moved to percussion. And okay. I remember it being weird because I didn't know Lir before, but when he moved to the percussion section, which is where I played, we became really good friends. And um, I remember asking him, do you want to play the drums in this project so we started off with a singer being me and a guitarist being me a guitarist and a drummer so we had no bassist no. we did the first round we got through we played good it was okay it went well uh, it was enough to get through to the next round but Ivan came up to us at the end and said you need a bassist mm. you need a bassist and we thought we were like oh that's what makes us different we haven't got a bassist like this is the this is the selling point for us like but then we kind of if he was saying that, we were like, okay, we need a bassist. So, was it almost sorry, like, I... was it almost like wanting to break the conventions without knowing really what the conventions were? Yeah. Well, yeah, from a musical standpoint, the bass is a, a ma- alongside the drums is a massive backbone to any band. So we were stupid in that aspect, but we just thought, yeah, we were being different and challenging the conventions and trying to be different, but. It only lasted for one gig, so I don't know what we were talking about, really. Um, and, yeah, and I'm going into a lot of detail here, but, like, an O's Gwyn... It, it makes sense in the long-term full circle of it, but right. at an O's Gwynedd gig, he was releasing his new album, and um, he, our friend was like, ah, oh, you, you're looking for a bassist, right? I know a bassist. His name's Theo. And I was like, I think I know Theo. Because I used to be in a band, I, I did like this ba- bands project in Carnarvon for the summer, it was like a school of rock yeah. thing, uh, and I was in a band with Theo, and I was like, I know Theo, but I haven't spoken to him since that project, right? Um, so he said, we ca- he called him up and said, do you want, no, he was at the gig, he was like, do you want to be in Gwilym? And, and uh, he was like, oh, yeah, let's do it. He was in another band at the time, but he was yeah. like, I want to play bass, let's do it. So then we had a rehearsal the next week. And Theo came, and it just all worked. It clicked mm. into place. We wrote Queen in that session. That first session, we wrote Queen. We wrote Llechaman. Everything came from one session. Um, and it started to work, and we built this set for Battle of the Bands, and we recorded a couple of stuff um, and started releasing them. And we played Battle of the Bands in the Estebagenid Leifold, got through to the final bit, and we came second to Alpha, um, okay. which is another prominent yeah. band. Oh, that was a good yeah actually you had a few good bands uh, on on that one um and but, in terms uh, of the sound your sound how long did it take you to find that would you say that you have a sound well yeah so the 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 singles that we'd released um building up to that that final round of the battle of the bands we we've we'd done with a guy called callum Lloyd williams 
um, who's a brilliant producer, but his main job is working side stage for big pop artists. He's done stuff for Sarah Larson. He's currently working mm-hmm. for Dua Lipa, and we owe him a lot. But going, to, you know, I mentioned that we got our basis clear from an O's Gwynedd gig. So O's Gwynedd then messaged me a week after and said, I've listened to your singles um, and the recordings. They're good, but they can be better. And I'd never got that before. I'd never right. got, like, you know, um, somebody that had been and done it and produced stuff and, and, and created amazing music that we respected, like O's Gwynedd. He's a huge Welsh mm. language pop star. Um, he said, yeah, it's not good, it's not, it could be better, so let's make it better. And I was like, oh shit, great. Because we've been messaging labels, because labels work differently in Wales to, to Anglo-American side of things. Because you have indie labels and major labels, and it's a very kind of, you know, on-paper process. Whereas in Wales, it's very DIY, it's very kind of guy in his garage mm. doing it. And I that's, isn't, he's not doing it in his garage, but Owls Gwynedd is Recordiae Course, which is our label now, and it all came from that message. I'm starting a new label. Um, I've only ever released my stuff and one of my friend's stuff on it, but I want to start signing bands. Let's make these singles better at this studio um, in Pendendidre. And we were like, great, amazing. And this, is, this, this comes back to your question about the sound. So our sound is a sound that comes from that studio, um, quite literally, obviously, but uh, it, when thinking about it in a creative way and in a sonic way, the way that Rich Roberts, the amazing producer that does our stuff and many of the band's stuff, works is just definitely, definitely a part of our sound and what it stands for. Um, and it did, it, we were like, fuck, this is amazing. He's taken the singles that we did with Callum, which did an amazing job, but Rich is a producer mainly. This is what he does. He works with artists and creates songs. So that sound, that sound there was his next level step. But then, as you know, it took us like a year to, to record our first album, Signal Gola. Okay. Um, and you can hear us grow up throughout the album. So mm. we, we have found that sound. We, we, we did find the Gwilym sound by singles like Catalonia and Vernecanor. Yes. Um, but now, look, looking back, even those songs sound a bit kind of young to us. Um, so you think, going on to write our new stuff, it's completely changed. Do you think then it's something that will continue to evolve as you go forward? For sure, like any other artist, like any other musical artist or any any artist in general, um, music evolves and our inspirations evolve. Um, mm. I think that's one, one thing to touch on is like how you take inspiration from other artists and use it in your own stuff, you know? Sorry, excuse me. Um, that was my phone ringing there. Um, <laughs> that yeah, it's, it's taking those inspirations and moving forward. So yeah. listening to our early stuff, we loved guitar rock and tsunami and like uh, circa waves and the furries and we loved playing guitars and stuff like that. Um, whereas now we're looking at you know producing in the box in on computers, yeah. so a lot of synths, a lot of um, like keyboard basses, a lot of keyboards in general. Still, guitars is a very much part of it, and drums are very much a part of it, but using more electronic drums. So it does evolve, and I, I can't wait to see where it goes past this, because we're still in the creation process. Yeah. So the album is going to sound totally different. You have some songs that sound like a conti- continuation of the first project, but then you have songs that sound totally different. And I'm, I'm 
I'm one, or A, afraid of what some people that love the first album will think of those songs. Um, but B, I'm so excited to see how challenging it is. It will be if for us as a band to kind of present that. Do you know what yeah. I mean? And in terms of the songwriting process, is there a set process that you take as a songwriter, or does it vary depending on the project you're working on? Away from Gwilin, um, it depends on the artist. So as a songwriter, if I'm working with an artist, I'll definitely start in Logic and build something in Logic. Um, and then and then if they're the artist that sings, they'll, they'll think about, you know, the words and what it means and, and their aesthetic because they're the artist, right? Yeah. Um, but with Gwilin, we we all we all used to compose in the same room together. So we never, you know, we'd take ideas into the room and then everybody would play around with instruments. But since lockdown, we've been doing what we're doing right now, which is like talking on Zoom and creating on Zoom. So I can share my screen on Logic, or Carwin can share his screen on Logic, or what um, or Thir, for example. And we can send like, okay, that's the BPM of the project. Let me record it into mine really quickly. This is idea, and then like export it and send it to you, and you can put it in your project, and we can build it like yeah. that. So it's been building jigsaws for the past few months on Zoom. That's that's the way that we've composed. But from a personal standpoint, I love to create the music first and then the words. That's how I found. Yeah, that's 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 how I find it. Um, yeah, that's how I, that's how I find it. It's yeah. easier for me. Like in uni, one of my brilliant tutors and mentors, Tim Hawes, who's worked with like um, the Sugar Babes and the Spice Girls and stuff. Yeah. He came up to me and said, um, "Why do you, why do you write the why do you write the the song and the words afterwards? Why do why you should you should definitely try and do it before." And he's a brilliant mentor, but I don't think you should be defined by a certain way of doing no. things. Some people do loops and like create and take bits from loops and and you know some people just sit in a room in a dark room and write the words and then put the music to it. Everybody has a different process. As long as there's a song at the end, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Um, yeah. I hate these rules. There's no rules to making music. Um, the best way I can put it is in the words of an artist that I like, Mac DeMarco. If you've got a guitar, a crappy guitar that works. And you can plug it. You can plug it into a bass sound, and that will make a soon like a, a cool sound. You know, yeah. um, it doesn't matter. You can play drums on your guitar and like do that for an hour on stage. It does as long as you're enjoying what you're making. Um, mm. You know, I'm not going to get into this like inspirational speech thing, but I hear a lot of artists saying, oh, "I haven't got the right ear. I haven't got the right things." It doesn't matter. You just have to improvise and make. You know. Yeah, and and by trying, you will get better, and you will improve. It's all about trial and error. Yeah. It's all about trial and error. Yeah, definitely. And you can say that about not just music, any art form. You, if you don't try, you're never going to progress or succeed yeah. in that. What, what, what was your time studying in London like? Um, and how did you develop as a musician during that time? It was brilliant. I really enjoyed it. I wasn't quite in London. I was, a four, I was 40 minutes away out. Um, okay. took a, it took a southern southwestern railway train from Guildford to uh, London I, I lived in Surrey so Guildford okay. is probably one of the biggest cities in Surrey um, I don't even know if it's a city to be honest with you uh, but uh, it's near Woking um, yeah, very very well off area um, a rural 
it can be a rural area, you, mm. but you can you can find find townships and 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 like places to go and whatever. Um, it was amazing. The education that I got was was great because I got to be with like-minded people, but there were also people there that that just slacked off and which really annoyed me because I was I was there to work and I was under the impression from people that had gone to that university before that everybody was bang on, let's do yeah. this, let's go, let's go, let's go. I'm sure this is the same for every university or just creative universities. Um, it did annoy me when people would turn up like, I'm not a teacher's pet or anything, but like when people turned up late, like three quarters of an hour late to a lecture with quarter an hour to go, why make the effort to come at all, you know? Um, I, mean, what? I was there to learn and, and be with other people. And I got that. I got to be a part of that crew of amazing musicians that I will never, I'll never, re- my friends, they're so talented. Like, I'll never get to that level. But I'm not trying to get to that level. I'm trying to get to my own, like, version of my best self, right? Best musician. Um, but they did push me, you know? Um, yeah. They did push me amazingly um, as friends. Um, you know, I got to go to Belgium to play a show. Yeah. With my friends, we drove to Belgium from Guildford to play a show. We played shows in Guildford. I met some amazing people who have worked with the biggest names. I got my education, and I, it, the the main thing that I say to myself is, I put in. You you get out what you put in. Definitely. And I put in Definitely. a lot. I, I put in a lot to that that course, and I got a lot out of it. So I'm going back to London in in September to do a master's course in another okay. in another education um, facility. Um, called Tyliad Studios, which is going to be a fun adventure. I can't wait. But I'll be living with my my friends from college, so oh, we just get to we get to continue what was interrupted because I graduated in lockdown. So um, yeah, we'll get to continue what was interrupted by 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 COVID, basically. Uh, and do you feel that it's prepared you for a career in music? Do you think it adequately prepared you for life on the outside, as it were? But the, the the a career in music is you get out what you put in. Yeah. Um. Yeah, definitely. If I hadn't have gone, I'd have to learn that stuff on my own. I have some brilliant mentors here in Wales. Owes Gwynedd being one of them. We talk a lot about um, intellectual property and rights and uh, the laws of music and what you should do and what you shouldn't do. What's a bad contract? What's a good contract? But being with. Um, being with those tutors in that facility in Guildford, somewhere away from home, made me concentrate more right. on what was ahead and what it's going to be like. Um, it did definitely prepare me. From a songwriter creative point, um, I, don't, I don't, think, don't think we got quite enough into the detail of stuff that I, I, I would have expected. I didn't quite... I, I did stay in my comfort zone at times. Right. Um, maybe a bit too much when it came to music creation. Like I said earlier, I, I made more music in lockdown than I did in, in uni. But the people that I met and the projects that I created and the contacts that I have now will mm. be brilliant for when I do eventually, hopefully... I'm in the music industry now. I'm not going to say when I eventually get into the music industry. I work in the music industry now, but on a larger scale and in a bigger level, I'd love to you know, utilise mm. those contacts and, and try and pick their brains even more. I mean, that's what they're there for, right? You've got to use yeah, those as assets. Yeah. Um, so, Signal Gola, um, mm-hmm. Gola, sorry, was... That's fine. 
one of the first, you can tell I have a full glass in oil, um, was the first West Anglia album to receive over 100,000 streams on Spotify. How did that feel? What kind of impact did it have on you guys as a band? I, I didn't know that. I don't remember that start being a thing. Yeah, it, it probably is one of the first Welsh language albums to go over 100,000 streams. But Spotify's only been around since, like, as a part of everybody's daily life for a few years. So um, I'm honoured. It's great. Uh, there's this old, yeah, you don't get money from streams. You don't get much money. You get next to nothing. Um, we have some of our good friends and fellow label mates, Alpha, um, were extremely lucky when it came to streams. Um, they received, so Gwenwyn, their, mm. well, one of their first singles released on the album, uh, on the Record Decosh records, um, maybe it was the first, actually. It, it got uploaded to Spotify. And what happens then is when it's uploaded to Spotify, it's then in the hands of playlist makers. So playlist makers look right. at the music that get uploaded. They see if there's any buzz. You can tr- you can send PR um, statements to Spotify and they'll, they'll read them. Um, and Gwenwyn got really lucky. But they it was totally deserved because it's, it's, it's weird because it is lucky, but Gwenwyn did genuinely deserve to get on all these playlists so you got playlisted on new music friday which is a playlist curated by spotify that um, notifies uk listeners of new music coming out of the uk and abroad um every week so it happens on friday new new music friday so that's that's not just welsh language music that is all new music that is international music wow international so alpha so that's on Spotify every Friday, New Music Friday playlist. It changes every week, okay? Um, I, you know, you have examples of music going on there and not doing well, not doing as well, but Gwenwyn's stuck. And Gwenwyn is a really kind of... Um, it's like bluesy rock. So then looking, listening to that song, where else could that fit in? And there's, a, there's another Spotify curated playlist called Walking Like a Badass. So... One of those playlists where you put on and you, you walk through the streets, yeah. swearing, and you can imagine it's just heavy rock music, but also very confident music. And Gwenwyn is perfect for that. This is also a playlist made up of so many artists, from the Arctic Monkeys to Royal Blood to mm. uh, the Black Keys, and you know that kind of music. And Gwenwyn was on there for ages, for ages, and. What happens is certain playlists do better in other in different countries. So this was not just a UK playlist. This is a this is a playlist that you can get access from all over the world. So then Alpha got streams from Brazil, wow. um, South America in general, um, all over the world. So yeah, I think the best place is Sao Paulo. Like Sao Paulo did <laughs> really well in Sao Paulo. Let me just check really quickly how many streams Gwenwin is on and what playlist it's still on. This is this is imperative to like this this does link with how I you know how I feel about streams because Alpha was such an ama- such a, like an amazing example of making it right. Yeah. So Gwenwin at the moment is on three million three hundred sixty four thousand and nine hundred streams. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. So. That's... But but from that doing so well because you can 
Spotify create, uh, created playlists, they look at things like that and they go, right, Gwenwyn did really well there. Like, really well. It, it was like on one million streams within a week, right? Or something stupid like that. Like, genuinely amazing. And, and as somebody that knows the Alpha Boys, it's just genuinely inspiring and, and it's just so great and you, you feel so proud mm. as somebody a part of their their scene and their world that you are able to do that. Um, let me just look at what, uh, what playlists... Um, uh, th- that is on what are they uh, featuring Alpha yeah like dir- they're on Dirty Rock right um, yeah. at the moment um, with one of their songs because you know two more singles got playlisted after that another Welsh one called Plow which is on 1,370,000 streams and, a- and an English one called Full Moon Vulture which is on 1,536,000 streams I think Black Angel also got playlisted which is in, on almost half a million streams so it does affect you. So Gwenwyn did so well. They look at that and go, that did well. So let's see what how how well their other stuff does. And that pushes it up. Do you know what I mean? So If, they, so if the moderators can see that one song is succeeding, they will put other songs by that band. So, and then they will, and that will raise the profile of that band. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, but you have the major labels in the world that are going to get on playlists. Like, Justin Bieber is going to get on UK um, New Music Friday. Yeah. But that that's a given. He's a, he's probably with Universal sitting down and going, yeah, let's, let's do this, whatever. Um, but for, that's the brilliant thing about DSPs. I know that they don't pay well, but it is, a, it, it is an open door. It's a door there to be kicked down by artists that don't have a label, artists that are just starting out, you know, to get playlisted and get streams and get notes like get you know uh, build a trajectory a mm. bigger trajectory than they first thought so Alpha did so well with that um, you know it's, it's a huge inspiration I know that streams aren't everything but the brilliant thing about our following is we haven't been playlisted on one of these creative playlists which is something that we'd love to happen but it's not the be all and end all no. because we know we know that our audience is in Wales so by looking at you, you have access. There's an app that you can get, Spotify for Artists, that looks at your analytics and your data of yeah. who's listening and from where are they from. So you can build a work plan. There's something similar for podcasts as well, so I can it's, see who listens yeah. to this podcast and where they listen to. Exactly. So, for example, say if you if you built like an even bigger following and wanted to do a live show, and yeah. you saw that your biggest following is in Pontypridd and Hanlech. You would do you would do the show in Hanlech and Pontypridd yeah. because you know people will turn up, right? So <laughs> it's hard, it's different in Wales because you know you know when you do these festivals like Estadbald and Tabwell, you know people are going to turn up. But if we wanted to do our own show, like own tours around Wales, we could look at where the most popular places are, places that we didn't even know that we had a following in that and never have gigged in. Um, but we'd like to go there, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's the brilliant thing about us is, is that we have that kind of that kind of uh, very accurate d- data analytic yeah. database, you know? Um, but uh, having said that, it would be nice to get over a million streams on, on a song. <laughs> <laughs> you, you mentioned Tavoil. Let's, let's talk about that, though. Okay, okay. What was that like? Because I bet it was just an amazing experience. To play a live gig after so long. Um. Yeah, 
you think you I think you beforehand you try and work yourself up to be emotional about it because you haven't done gigs in a while um but yeah it was just amazing like at the end of the day it was a huge beer garden <laughs> there were lots of picnic tables um but the main thing is playing in front of people it was just yeah we 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 really took it seriously we really did you rehearse um mm. and rehearse and rehearse for that and it was just a great weekend all around you know we were allowed to go to pubs outside we were allowed to drink and and yeah we just made it was just like the olden days just like the olden days of gigging and um, and you do miss it you do miss it but we've been very fortunate we've had a few virtual gigs um yeah. over lockdown period where we've done stuff for yeah and um, and the likes of um like theaters in Llanelli, which did a stream and then we've made our own company called gigs to nine where we started our own kind of virtual gigs yeah. company um which is doing well and we're going to register that as a business and it's going to be brilliant oh, um so we've been lucky so doing tapwell wasn't the first gig we've done since before lockdown it was just the first gig in front of people so that was the main factor that made it special was that it was a shame that not everybody got to play in front of people i think only three acts got to do oh, it right. but for those three acts like we really did appreciate it and our friends were in the front and they were giving a shit and it was brilliant it's just like the olden days did it, did it feel like a gig would it have felt different to it was that full capacity did it feel different to you did it change the way you performed, do you think? Um, yeah, because you, you do feed off the crowd when you when you do it. You do feed off the crowd. Um, yeah, it really does, because it's less awkward. Because when you finish a song in a virtual gig, there's just silence. And it's not like I'm, look, I'm waiting for an applause. That's not what I'm asking. It just does happen. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, it's... Um, it's, yeah, it was it was brilliant because you do feed off the energy in the room and that's a theatrical thing as well. Um, I recently did a project where there was no audience, like we streamed a piece of theatre and there was no audience in the in the crowd, um, which did change the the way you felt beforehand and you know you have that anticipation of like the curtains opening and seeing the crowd of faces yeah. ready to see a piece of theatre. It's the same in a gig. You 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 walk on stage and expect to see people there. Um, and it gives you that kind of excitement and energy to play, uh, which you didn't get in virtual gigs. But you tried, you tried. Yeah. And sometimes you did well, and, and you could talk, and you could pull it out the bag because you just love playing music. But there's some. But you have to work really hard, right? That's hard work to keep that energy level up if you've got nothing to feed off. Yeah, yeah. It, you do have to work hard. I know it's like people are like doctors listening to this that work really hard <laughs> but you do have to work hard in the sense of like if there's no audience you have to find an, an energy from somewhere you have to find adrenaline from somewhere um to be able to play and to be able to play well so yeah definitely i definitely agree with that that you have to find that energy um and it's so much easier with a crowd but, but you know we played we played to empty rooms before um where there's been like three people there mm. um but you have to perform because those three people are there yeah. to see you. It, it doesn't matter if there's three or five hundred people watching you. It, it, that's the main bit, yeah. Uh, you mentioned that um, 
the piece that you um, wrote, your kid, because you're a theater maker as well as being a musician, you wrote a piece called Your Kid, which has been developed by Brian Wen. Can you talk a little bit about the piece, because it's coming as part of Squen Rebank, Brian Wen, Brian Wen, Young Writers, that we've both been a part of for the yeah. last year, which has been brilliant, a brilliant experience. They've really developed me as a writer. I don't know what you would say the same. But what has kind of the whole process been like from not just kind of developing the piece, but from when the course started to now that I think we got our last meeting on Wednesday. Yeah, I think it's tomorrow night, actually. Yeah, this is how I know you, uh, Kieran. uh, this is how our paths have crossed is mm. through this project when we're now with uh, new writers for non-Welsh speakers um, yeah it's a, it's, a, it's a project developed by Cumney Brown when for you know writers like us that like creating yeah. stuff um, and at the end of it we had the opportunity to write our own piece of theatre and have it filmed and acted by professional actors and, and developed to to a, to a kind of professional extent um, and it yeah, the, it's just been the best because through lockdown you look for um, opportunities and you look for um, hours in the day where you could be creative and I knew on a Tuesday night going to the meeting yeah. that I'd have an hour or two being creative and, and stimulating my brain to, to create um, and that's the main benefit that got like one of the main benefits I got from the project but you, you mentioned my, my piece Yorkie Yorkie um, was a was a genuine a passion project for me. Um, I, I'm being a music. I I went into the project wanting to write a piece of theatre without music because I wanted to go out of my comfort zone. But then I realised halfway through that I'm stupid and I why would I do that? Because <laughs> I just I wanted to play to my strengths and I wanted to use music. So um, the the project came from music and this idea of this character creating music but also being a theatrical performance similar to the way that gorillas function yeah. in the way yeah. that they create animated films but that you know that are banned as well um i love those ideas like um and david bowie having all of his aliases um you know ziggy stardust is different to you know just david bowie um i love those ideas on stage and um, so i wanted to create a musical artist called yorkie that could also be played in theater um, as a monologue so that's what I went out to write and you know be, being amongst young people like yourself Kieran and the other the other um, participants or participants, the other guys that we, we, we shared every Tuesday night with for a couple of hours yeah. really did help because you had different people different creative from different backgrounds so being from the north being from the north or south Wales being, you're mainly a theatre writer, Kieran. Yeah. I might, you know, I'd write and say that I'm a musician. Okay. Um, you know, you've got others like Joe, who's a musician but also a brilliant writer. Um, you've got Alau, who's a who's a um, who's a poet. What's the English word? He's poet. A bad. Poet. Yeah, he's a poet. Yeah. Um, there's a novelist in the group as well. Yeah. So it was a brilliant hub but we were all making theatre so it was different to see everybody's approach um, and yeah I did feel like I was like treading on new ground and like somewhere that I didn't necessarily know so well um, 
But coming out of it now with what I've created, I'm really happy with it. Really, really happy with it. Um, and people have... I think what it is is like being in Gwilym and people knowing my work from that. Yeah. I think that I'd like to prove that I'm able to create in different ways as well. Um, do you see... theatre and whatever. Do you see yourself as a playwright? No, I see... I, I, no... I see myself as a songwriter, but I, I see myself as a creative in general, I think. Right. I just like to play my hands to different stuff, and I, you know, it's fine for those who want to place a term on their, their work. I, I guess I am a playwright because I've written a play, right? But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I, th- I think that, I, yeah, I'm not a writer, I'm, I'm, I'm just a song, I'm just a musician and a creative that likes to try different things and I, I don't like to kind of uh, restrict myself to, to a term not in a, not in a narcissistic way just in general I, I I wouldn't consider myself a novelist if I wrote a book um, so yeah yeah I don't know I don't know <laughs> and, and in terms of the future for Yorkie where's it going what do you want to do with it where do you want to you take know, it well that's the thing that's the most exciting thing about it because Yorkie can exist now as a character. So I've, I've worked on Yorkie with an amazing actor, musician called Iwan Vaughan. Um, so I developed the piece with him as an actor. And I had him in mind as the actor when I started the project and I'm so glad that he's on board. So the next step for us is to write the music, I think. So we want to create a concept album around the character. Um, and then and then build the play around the album and, and his arc and his story. And hopefully we can break the barrier between gigs and theatre. So, mm. you know, we'll, I'd love for Yorkie to get to a point maybe in a few years when we finish it, or maybe next year when we finish it, that it can be played at places like Gallery and Pontio here in North Wales or Sherman or just yeah. small village halls or whatever, um, like theatres, but also get the chance to be showcased that the Estelle World as a gig, like as a music gig. Yeah. Um, I think it'd just be so different and be really, be really cool to, to, to present something like that. Um, you know, in the way that... Oh, I hate I hate this comparison, but it is a comparison. You know, in the way that in Gavin and Stacey, James Corden and Smithy then became like this... That character became like a... Yes. A, he, yeah. He, yeah, he was like a... He was like real life, right? Yeah. I'd love, I'd love for Yorkie to, to be that, you know, mm. to, but, you know, if Iwan decided, you know, if we, if he decided that he wanted to develop a piece and then, and then do a few gigs and then not do it, you know, I'd love, I'd love the idea that anybody can mm. be Yorkie. Because that's the concept, isn't it? That's exactly. the concept of the piece. It's yeah, it's, it's a concept built around, um, built around, you know, toxic masculinity as a thing i'm not sure about the term toxic masculinity yet i'm not right i'm not i'm not sure if it's the best way to describe it but i think the main thing and i, I got this from alpha as well alpha wrote a song called Barbie mam which speaks about uh, suicide in men um and the fact that the figure is just way too high and you know it's a hard subject to speak about because it's it's, 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 I don't know, men, especially white men, we live a very privileged life, yeah. and 
that comes to light in this zeitgeist, in this society. Um, and I do agree with, you know, with, you know, racial imbalance and gender imbalance and it's definitely it's definitely there and it should be it should be acknowledged and changed mm. um but there are some aspects of life where you know mental health kind of does take over and because i think you know there is this kind of imbalance um and that you know that there is this responsibility on um men and especially white men of of a middle class to acknowledge that yeah um i think that there are aspects of 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 life that you know that they're going through that are forgotten um and you know i think there's a there's a huge pressure there um and that this is not me commentating on that i just wanted to bring to light that you know men are allowed to struggle as well it's, yeah. it's very much a thing um, within our own gender and our own kind of um, it's important that we see that and we begin talking about that i think i think it's definitely. a really, really important subject yeah like about. you know big like men aren't allowed to cry kind of bollocks you know i know it's, it's yeah. been spoken about by a load of artists like grace and perry who wrote a book about it which is brilliant um and yeah it's um it's it's a it's a well known subject that I don't know enough about to write directly about it. Okay. So I think Yorkie is a character that is indirectly affected by this kind of struggle, and that's what I'm trying to bring to the stage. Um, instead of doing a social commentary about it on stage for an hour through a concept album and a piece of theatre, I think I I, I okay. don't think I'm comfortable enough to do that. So yeah, I think. Yeah, that's that's where the piece comes from, and I think that's that's the beauty in like um, any actor could play Yorkie. Then it doesn't have to be Iwan, um, no. and it shows that you know this this happens between every every. I don't know. It makes it more of a universal story because it is a universal story. I think it is. Yeah, and I'm really excited to see where it's going to go next. I'm going to move on slightly to Iwan. Because I want to talk about the work that you've been doing recently. Uh, it's been a project with the Earth and a skull Pandala set of Oh, yeah. So, looking at kind of fully work, how did that come about? And, yeah, tell us a bit about the project. I got a phone call from my friend Lewis, who plays in the band Candelas uh, and um, Tsunami. He's the drummer, um, and he now works for the Earth. They st- they started it because the um, Eisteddfodrev was recently, and they wanted a few projects um, to go alongside that for their social media platform. It was, a, it was a campaign. It was a mashup campaign of two different entities coming together and creating something awesome. Yeah. So you had my good friend Endav, who was a brilliant DJ producer, working with a choir of harps to create a dance tune, or you had um, Gwilym Boenrhys working with a steel pan band creating folk music in a way and you know these two a collision of worlds kind of thing so yeah. i got a phone call from lewis um that invited me to be the the main um sound designer for this mashup which was between a skull pendalar in um in Carnarvon, which is a um special needs school a, a brilliant special needs school in Carnarvon, and a um and the the Royal College of Welsh Music and Drama in Cardiff. So those were the two entities that 
we're going to create this project. So the puppetry department in Cardiff created three different videos where they were showcasing their amazing puppetry talents. And then my job was to go into Pendalar and fully work. So recreate the sounds for these films. So, for example, in major Hollywood films like Star Wars and and like well, even even today in Disney films like Frozen, yeah. people would recreate the sounds like footsteps on leaves and and like a brand a bone breaking would be like a, a branch breaking. Yeah. I, d- I don't know. Um, so recreating and, and substituting the sound of a clip or film. Uh, so I went into Pendalar and worked with a, an amazing group of young people um, that really took to the project and really took to this to the idea and the uh, of recording. So we, for example, we had like um, the one film was the spider and the moth. So we wanted to create this like um, eerie world where there was cobwebs and like footsteps and stuff. So we took like yeah. rubber bands and played them into the microphone and like um, we took. Um, uh, oh, we took uh, paper clips and put them on the table, and we we actually got the the young people to to like make footsteps on tissue paper to make it sound like leaves and stuff. And yeah. they really really enjoyed the challenge of it. The, the challenge for me was editing it all together and going through the like the hour like the the couple hours of audio that I had recorded on the day. Um, and I'm sure you know if you wanted to if you had the time. I know you're going to link this stuff here. The, the, there's videos out there on the edits page that showcase what we did, um, and there's subtitles yeah. on that if you want to watch it. But it was brilliant for me because I I never I never worked in a um, I'd never worked in a special needs school before, um, and I've never worked with young people um, with um, well I have, but not to to that extent being the sole leader of a project. Yeah. Um, and it was just brilliant. Um, and did, I know. Did you know feel? Um, nervous or awkward or uncomfortable going into that, or like, how did you? Because some people feel worried about doing the wrong thing or saying the wrong thing, and how did they kind of make you feel comfortable in that environment? I think, I think the thing, the thing is, you just have to go in and be yourself. Um, I was a bit nervous because I, I, you know, you, I've had experiences where I played gigs and done songwriting sessions in schools, where. I've made a comment where, where I was unaware that there was an autistic pupil in the, in the class and I'd made a comment and and then that created a situation right. for myself and, and the other teachers. Um, so that, that was one thing that played on my mind because I didn't, you don't want to. For example, we went into the session um, and there was an autistic young man there that wasn't too keen on clapping. So I did one clap and then the teacher just said, um, it, 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 he just said, he just said, if, uh, okay, we're just gonna click from now on if you don't mind. One of the students doesn't like clapping, and then that that was fine. That was mm. totally fine then. And it, it just easy. They're just young people, and they want to be creative. Yes. Um, and that's what it is. It was just like going into any other school. Um, you should. You, I didn't treat them differently. Obviously, you have to go in with a certain mindset of being able to having to treat situations differently but if you go in and treat them like young people you'll get respect back absolutely um, yeah and you know you had various um needs in the group for example uh, you know you had a couple a couple of young people with autism and you know one with cerebral palsy and um a couple with just 
you know, minor anger issues that meant that they yeah. couldn't, you know, work. So you had a, a wide range, but they were all friends, and it, and it was just brilliant to go in and, and work. And I might sound naive in the way I'm speaking about it, but this is just my first experience uh, of ever doing anything like this. But my girlfriend worked at Pendalad for a year okay. or two and loved it. So I... I came to you know know the te- like know the teachers and know the the people like the the type of establishment Pendalad is and how brilliant it is. So um, yeah, that definitely put my mind at ease that you know I I you know got to know what kind of place Pendalad is and I'd definitely go back again because there's those young people are amazing at what they do yeah. and and that school is amazing at what they do. So yeah, and and there needs to be more opportunities right more collaborations creatively I think with special needs girls you don't sound naive you sound really passionate about what you did and the people you worked with it just oh, thank you Kieran like it was there needs to be more opportunities like that there's a brilliant uh, brilliant uh, thing a gig that I did a virtual gig for a uh, company called Gig Buddies which pairs up yes. the, um, adults with um, special needs with um with adults that have the same hobbies as them, okay. um, who don't have special needs. So, um, for example, if you like going to gigs uh, or the football or to the pub, they'll pay you up with an, uh, with, with a volunteer that, that likes going to the pub or go watch the football or go watch gigs. Um, okay. It's this idea that gigs are for everyone. And for anybody with special needs listening to this, and you like gigs, but you don't want to go because you don't think that it's your type of environment. Then who says that it's not your type of envi- environment? I think that that's what yeah. Gig Buddies tries to get across, and I love, love, love that, and I loved everything that they do. So that's a brilliant Definitely. place as well if you're looking for opportunities like that. Um, uh, but yeah, I I'd love will, to go back to Pendalada and do that. I will link that as well when I put this episode out. Please do. So Please that do. Everyone... They're all around Wales, all around Wales. Yeah. Um, finally, you found the chat. What, okay. <laughs> what what advice would you give to someone just starting out in the creative industries, especially considering where we are with the pandemic? Um, the main advice that I would give is don't don't overthink don't overthink what you do. Um, just because you see people whizzes on. Uh, with music theory and whizzes on logic and know how to play the guitar does not mean that you're less of a musician. You just need to find where you sit within a musical community. Or, if you can't find a musical community, create your own. Um, or any That's any community for that matter. Um, be involved with stuff. Be involved with things that happen around you. If you're a young person and you like to play in bands, and you can't find a band at the moment, go join a brass band. It's the best thing I ever did. If you like to sing, um, go join a choir. Um, if you want to create a band, find friends that make music and start a band and start jamming. Um, there's too much things here. I can't. It, what, I think the main thing that I can take from what I've just said is don't be afraid to go and present yourself as an artist doesn't matter if you're 15 or you're starting this at the age of 40 go for it just just message people it's so easy to message people these days you would you'd be shocked at how how many of your favorite artists will answer you back or how many people that write 
poetry or create theatre that you respect will answer you back. Zoom calls are a thing now. Ask for a Zoom call for half an hour and learn as much as you can from that half an hour. Ask one question and let them them speak because that's how you'll learn. Do you know what I mean? Start a podcast and interview 50 people on Zoom call for me. Yeah, that's all right. Exactly, exactly. Um... I, I can't, I, I've, uh, I don't know, I can't give one piece of advice, but if, if anything I just said resonated with anybody, um, let me know. But if anybody listening to this wanted to know anything more or anything else about the Welsh language music scene, uh, feel free to drop me a DM on Twitter and Instagram um, or Facebook or whatever. Just, just send me a DM and if it's about lyrics or music or whatever... And if, if I can't help you, I'll try and get somebody mm. that can involve, because I have a few few friends that know a thing or two. So, yeah, just don't be afraid to message people that you respect and, and like their stuff, because they will they will answer you back. Thank you, man. You can watch Ivan's piece, Yorkie, on the Ambub Dim app on Vanwan's channel. But for now, Ivan, thanks for joining me. You've been a fan guest but Jim Cobham will go well in in reverse um but I will see you on the next episode of In Lockdown and until then it's bye bye for me and bye from Ivan bye bye thank you for listening to this episode of In Lockdown with the podcast is written produced and curated by me, Kieran Fitzgerald. Thank you to all my guests for taking the time to appear on the show. If you enjoyed this episode of In Lockdown With, please consider liking or subscribing on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And I'll see you next time for another interview.